This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the February Room, where we talk shop, tie flies, and share the fishing stories you never heard. I'm Lauren Carnot, your host, and this is the February Room. Presented by CD Fishing USA. Innovative construction equals exceptional performance. Visit cd-fishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Welcome to the February Room. I'm sitting on this great vintage couch <laughs> with Al Pills. And Al, you're the outside sales and storyteller at the Kettle House. That's true. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, uh, like you said, my name is Al Pills. <laughs> I uh, work at the Kettle House Brewing Company. I've worked there since 2001 and um, seen a lot of changes there. Uh, I can't believe it's almost 20 years, but yeah. I know there's even a beer named after you. There is, there is. And a uh, good thing we make great beer because I think that's a weak marketing um, angle to, to try and play there. I mean, so yeah, I mean, with the last name of Pills, right? It works for a, for a beer, so. Called the Al Pilsner. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> it's true. Is that your favorite beer too? Um, no, I mean, it makes my black heart go pitter patter when somebody you know, names a beer after a guy or me, but um, I probably like our shady New England IPA the best right now. Oh, I don't think 
I guess I've had that one, of course. It's I got delicious. it, and I'll give you. I'll send you one on your way. So. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> um, but also, you're originally from Wisconsin. Yep, born and raised in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, went to high school there. Moved to Missoula when I was 21. Um, so that was 1993, and that's again another bigger number than I'm comfortable with. Or, but time goes by really quickly. Whoop. Decided you to move from Wisconsin to Missoula. We were classic uh, suburban Midwesterners who would do the Griswold family vacation deal and throw everybody in the station wagon and drive uncomfortably long distances on the interstate. You know, uh, I got motion sickness as a kid. My sister could read. I was super jealous, but. You know, we'd power through the Dakotas and head out west somewhere usually. We loved Yellowstone area, uh, went to Glacier, Yellowstone, uh, Colorado, places like that. Uh, my friends were always like, what the hell are you guys, you guys are going backpacking? What in the earth, what, you know, what is that? Like, uh, the classic thing, you know, that a lot of my friends would do is we'd have a lake cabin or something up north uh, in Wisconsin. We never did that when I was a kid. I spent a lot of time up there, had family up there, and did the fishing, hunting thing, but we never had that summer cabin, so we'd always do the two-week tour, and um, we came through uh, Missoula a couple times back in the day. Um, one trip I took as a more of an adult was in 91, uh, my freshman year of college. Me, my dad, my uncle, and his two sons all hopped in their Ford Econoline and drove and did this huge loop around the western U.S. Uh, fly fishing. So he, my Uncle Bob, was really my intro to fly fishing. Um, so, and that is a passion that I've carried with me my whole life. Um, and again, growing up in the Midwest, at that time, fly fishing was not cool. Um, people were all about drowning worms, but I saw this thing that he was doing and I was like what in the hell is that I'm into that his his introduction because by birth the Pills family is a worm soaking family uh, but my uh, my uncle uh, met a guy named Gary Borger who was an early kind of fly fishing guru um, so uh, probably late 70s early 80s um, he helped Gary do illustrations on two fly fishing books one was called Nymphing and one was called Naturals but it was a kind of a, a more science-based book, you know, less casting techniques, more um, bug life-oriented stuff. So anyways, he met this guy named Gary, and Gary um, was up there in the fly fishing world, and he must have had a pro deal with Fenwick and with Seal Dry Waders, and he had his own wading boot at the time. So I looked up to my cousins and my uncle, um, who had all this fancy gear. You know, um, somewhere there's a picture, I've tried to find it over the years, of one of these trips. And my dad uh, wasn't willing to invest in the highest tier outdoor equipment for little Al. So there's these photos of my cousin standing there. And back then, people wore seal dry waders. And it was even before neoprene. Um, they were like, uh, they were latex. So when you walked, it sounded like, you know, like this rubber, like they were super, uh, they were not tear resistant. They were easy to puncture. You carried around a patch kit. Uh, but anyways, my dad bought me these piece of crap, like vinyl waders that made it like half a day before I ripped every, 
Instead of wading boots, I had these. They had these shoes, and they weren't even Converse All Stars. They were called Pro Kugas, and it was like K U G A, I think. And they were canvas high top sneakers. So I'm, you know, little Al walking around in the Yellowstone River at Buffalo Forge with all these nerds and all their like fly fishing gear, and I'm just like slipping around on the rocks, but. Uh, I digress, um, but that was my intro to fly fishing back then, and that was something that I always wanted to be better at. So I've carried that torch, you know, into my now 40s. So, um, so yeah, that was a long rambling diatribe, but that's oh. kind of where where the hook was set, so to speak. Going fishing all around the United States, you come back to Wisconsin and going fly fishing on the lakes? Um, yes. And actually, Wisconsin, uh, we, you know, we lived in Madison, um, so we were close to that driftless zone in the southwest. And there's a lot of limestones and spring creeks down there. Um, so there's a ton of options for fly fishing in Wisconsin. The southern part of the state is more little teeny spring creek kind of thing. And then you go up north, and there was the Brule and the Namakagan and the Prairie and some of those rivers that are more famous in Wisconsin anyways. Um, so I was looked forward to those moments. Um, so yeah, we did fly fish in Wisconsin quite a bit. Different scene, you know, a lot of nymphing, hardly any dry fly stuff. Come out west, you're throwing giant streamers and hoppers and stuff, and it's just so much more fun. So how often are you going fishing like on your downtime? I mean, I know work is like- uh, These days? Yeah. Uh, as much as I can. Um, but I was just telling this story recently. Like when I first moved here, none of my friends had a boat, you know, and there's way, no, no normal people really had boats. Well, we were in our early twenties, so nobody had any money either. Um, but um, I met, uh, I took a job, I worked in a, a group home with developmentally disabled adults was my first job in Missoula. And the first day there, I met a guy named Damon Cox, whose brother, Jim, and his buddy, Matt, later started the Kingfisher Fly Shop. And Damon and I became fast friends. Um, now he's been, a, he's been a fishing guide for probably 20 years or something now. Um, but we became fast friends and his family had property out on Big Flat Road. So we would go there in the evenings and do the caddis thing all summer and try and get the night, the night hatch, you know. And so back then we'd go fishing all the time. Like I kept a journal my first year or two. And I think one year I fished 81 days or something like that. Now it's way less than that. But we have a couple boats. Um, you know, Ginger, my wife loves to go on the boats. And so we do a lot more kind of floating on the weekends these days. So I don't know, probably 20 or 30 times a year now, but you know, it's bigger, uh, bigger, uh, endeavor per day. You know, you hook the boat up and go do a float somewhere. I feel that you have a lot of envy from a lot of people because you work at a brewery and you love to fish and that combination has got to be pretty epic. I bet oh, you get that a lot. It is for sure. I mean, uh, you know, you run into old high school buddy and and I mean, I'm envious of them as well, but you know, they're like, I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, well, I'm a, a stockbroker in Chicago. And what do you do? Oh, I'm a beer rep in Montana. And they're like, that's what I should, you know. So, yeah, there is that for sure. Well, and Kettle House has such a huge name. I mean, <clears throat> everyone who comes here is like, I need to go 
downtown, grab a cold smoke. It's just, it's almost, um, Kettle House has become part of a staple of things that you need to do um, to be part of the culture around here. For sure. Yeah. Go to the South Side, grab a cold smoke or whatever, you know, and, you know, it's been cool to watch that business grow um, in my time there as well. You know, when we first started, we were uh, doing seven or 800 barrels a year out of the South Side tap room only. And you'd walk into a bar or restaurant and try and talk to a guy about getting your beer put on tap. And they'd kind of, you know, look the other way. And you could just see him be like, ah, great. What crappy microbrew guy is trying to sell me beer now, you know? Fast forward to today, and they're like, hey, it's the Cold Smoke guy. Good to see you, you know? So uh, that's been pretty cool to see for sure. Oh, yeah. And now you have the Kettle House Amphitheater, too, which is huge. Yes, it is. And, boy, I hope we get to I get, hope we get to utilize that sucker soon. But the future is kind of murky there, really obviously. Is. Well, you know, with all this um, COVID-19 stuff going around, it's just like, you know, we're living in a time of a lot of uncertainty um, and luckily we can our beer and we have a lot of presence in the grocery stores. So that's been carrying our water these days. Um, we recently had to close the North side tap room, uh, which is super sad. A lot um, of people in Missoula sad about that. Absolutely. You know, and, and you can put me right on the top of that list cause it's just heartbreaking. You know, the, you know, some of my awesome coworkers don't work there anymore, you know, cause there's just no spot. So yeah, super sad, but that's the times we're in right now, you know, and I, I'm kind of scared to think about the next six months as far as all these awesome mom and pop um, businesses around town that are going to really be struggling. Oh, I mean, that's <laughs> what makes Missoula so special yeah. is the mom and pop shops. And I'm nervous about it, too, but sometimes I think going on the river and going fishing is kind of what can ground you and why you live here. It's absolutely. I mean, silver lining of something like this is social distancing. You know, you're not going to the amphitheater with 4,200 people. You're going fishing with your wife, you know, or, you know, in your case, your husband. And so it is a great way to ground yourself. Just when I start to get, you know, all bunched up because I'm watching the news or reading on the internet too much, turn that sucker off, go outside and re-remember why you're here. Yeah. And I always feel that when you go fishing, it's about creating these wonderful memories. And I think with coronavirus, you can remember like, hey, I was fishing this one time. During coronavirus, you always remember yeah, kind of like September 11th, you know exactly where you yep. were and be like, you know, during coronavirus, I was fishing a lot. Um, I know you were saying that you spent like 81 days fishing um, during when you first moved here. Yeah. Do you have any pretty cool epic stories to remember? <sighs> Oh, boy. You know, well, speaking of those seal dry waders and Damon Cox, um, I'm remembering, I remember he, I didn't know what the hell a salmon fly was. And he's like, we got to go up Rock Creek for the salmon fly hatch. So, all right. So we hopped in his VW bug and we drove up to Rock Creek. Of course, we had some beers and some fried chicken, you know, like any 22 year olds would back in those days and of course we were in his car which was i believe a 68 vw bug and back then i mean right now that road is terrible but back then it was even worse you know every year the pavement and the you know the nice grading goes a little farther up the road but you know back then you got like a half mile past the murk and it was just like already 
So we went off and we fished and we had a great day. Uh, Damon didn't have chest waders and so I loaned him my old steel dry waders and we separated for an hour or two and I got back to him and he had ripped them from cross to cross trying to trying to cross a log, you know, and he's just laughing, you know. <laughs> I might have ripped your waders and they're like blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we fished and had a great day and we camped out. Uh, next day we wake up and it's like kind of pouring rain and we're we're pretty far up the creek i think we we're you know mile marker 28 or 30 or something up there and so we decided to drive back towards town and just kind of wait out the rain and we uh we're driving along the road and this we'd probably gone 15 or 20 miles and we were probably more like mile marker 15 or so at this point and we're driving down the road and there's a guy crawling across the road in his waders and we're like what the hell you know and we're like this is so we pull over and this poor guy this fisherman had um probably broken his ankle um we didn't want to take his waders off but he probably broke his ankle um trying to wade on some big slippery boulders and he's like hey will you do me a big favor will you go down to the river i left my rod by the river because i couldn't crawl up the bank with it so we're there for a minute we kind of you know we're kind of doing like we had some light cpr training first aid stuff from the group home where we worked and we had flagged down another car this is way before everybody had cell phones and not like it would work up there anyways flagged down a car they drove down to the merc and made a phone call and they called the ambulance for this guy but in the meantime you know so He's kind of stable. We're just sitting with him, and he's like, "Go get my rod." So I, I walk down to the river, um, and uh, there's a rod sitting there, and he's got a little mayfly tied on, and I see some fish rising, and I'm like, "Well, it's gonna take a while." So I catch a fish, you know, some little rainbow, and then walk back up, give him his rod. Ambulance shows up, and man, I, I forget is it Granite County or Mineral County up there where the dividing line is like part of the way up the creek. And it was like the Keystone Cops, you know, they're putting this guy in this ambulance and it's like the volunteer ambulance fire department people and good people, you know, but man, back then I was like, oof. So he actually talked us into driving his car back to town. He got a ride in the ambulance. Uh, Damon drove his bug. I drove this guy's Subaru and he lived out in East Missoula on Easy Street. He told me his address and I just pulled up in front of his house, took his keys, threw them in the, you know, in between the screen door and the front door. And he's like, I'm gonna buy you guys a steak dinner, you know, or something, and drove away. Never heard from the guy again, but I always wonder uh, what that guy's up to these days. But that was definitely a good, a good early 90s fly fishing adventure story, so. Was he, how old was he? Well, he seemed, at that time. he seemed really old, so he was probably like 35. <laughs> at the time? Yeah, right? <laughs> so true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it'd be interesting. If, do you even know if you could even drive by there and see if he's still there? Uh, his like, house? Uh, you know, I've thought of it. <laughs> I've thought of that. And actually, a year or two later, Damon and his friends ended up actually renting a place on Easy Street. And we couldn't quite remember which one it was because those houses all kind of looked the exact same. But... Yeah, he used to he used to live out there, and he used to have a 
probably a 90 or a 91, like light blue Subaru Legacy or whatever, you know, so... Yeah. Not like there was 20 million of those in Missoula at the time. It's so. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Well, other than like just saving people from the road, I mean, you've had some pretty interesting people on your boat. You've had Les Claypool. Uh, yep. Yep. So, I mean, and that goes back to your time working with Ginger at Barrett Productions. You know, they were, Barrett Productions was looking for somebody uh, not, you know, ancient or whatever to have like, maybe the kids will like this guy, you know, so, you know, everybody else was like Henry Winkler and Liam Neeson and like, I mean, John Denver or whoever, like people that, you know, like our parents probably liked a little bit more than we did. Um, so they recruited Claypool to be on one of the shows and um, he loves to fish, uh, loves to fly fish. Um, he's for a guy who probably doesn't get to do it very often. He's pretty good. You can just tell he's a natural fisherman and just loves the whole like mellowness of being on the water um you know when he's on tour and now it's gotten to the point where i don't know they've probably been here like nine out of the last 10 years or something like that with primus or the claypool lennon delirium and uh we take them we take him fishing uh we've taken sean lennon a couple times um, and that's pretty funny too. People definitely give you a weird look on the river. They're like, that looks like Sean Lennon the less play cool. But, um, and Sean Lennon's a, uh, a great guy. He's a, he's a trip for sure. Uh, he calls waders magic pants. <laughs> Why? Well, cause he can stand up to his waist in the water and not get wet. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, I just want to stand in the water with my magic pants, you know? And it was like hot August or whatever, but he wanted to have his magic pants on cause um, so yeah, that's been a super rewarding, uh, and fun moment. I've had to pinch myself many times, you know, so that's pretty cool. Well, you probably get to experience them in such a different way as opposed to these celebrities or rock stars. Um, you get to see them almost as just a buddy, you know, being yes. on a boat. People are like, what's Les Claypool like? He must be so crazy. And I'm like, well, he's a super smart, funny, creative guy, but when we're hanging out, I feel like I'm with my best friend's older brother that I've only met a couple times, but we have this Venn diagram, you know, the shaded common likes. Um, I remember, uh, you know, to, to rewind back to the early 90s, I had a friend who loved to uh, pose like ridiculous hypothetical questions. And he was like, who would you like to have a beer with? Name your top three people. And so I came up with this list at the time, and it was Frank Zappa, Jerry Garcia, and Les Claypool were my three people that I'd love to go have a beer with. And, uh, you know, fast forward to, I guess the first time I met him was probably 2008 or 2009, somewhere in there. Fast forward to that, and I'm rowing this guy down the Blackfoot. In an operating, um, working over at Kettle House, a brewery. I mean, yeah. the top two yes. on your list. Exactly. So crazy, um, crazy how life is sometimes. Justin told me that you have uh, this great vibe. Uh, the Army. The Army Man. The Army Man. The Army Man. And to be perfectly honest, it is a blatant ripoff of Faust's Freddy, which is uh, the first foam pattern. Uh, I take that back. The second 
foam patterned fly that I ever laid my hands on. Um, the first one was uh, Paul Kohler, he used to own the Missoulian Angler. Uh, he was kind of a grouchy old dude. Um, but for some reason, he was nice to me when I walked in there one day back in, you know, September of 93 or whatever. And he's sucking on a Winston, tying some flies, you know, in his little fly shop. It was down, it was right basically next door to Charlie's. And so, you know, you walk in, he kind of looks over his glasses at you and he's, you know, got a bar hag ash on the end of this Winston tying a bug. And I said, I'm going for, what should I get? You know, what's it? And he's like, try one of these. And he had these, he called them Chernobyl Antskis. Because the Chernobyl Ant was the official kind of first foam bug that anybody really saw on the regular. And so I got a couple of those. And I, I could tie a fly back then, but barely. I could still barely tie a fly. But I saw that pattern and I saw what it did. I loved how durable it was. You could fish it all day. Big fish liked it. I don't know, it just seemed fun. Like it was like the super hopper, you know, like the old hopper, Dave's hopper, whatever, great bugs, but they'd get hammered and waterlogged after a little bit. So saw this bug and uh, really, it, I was like, man. So I basically, my first attempt was to try and kind of mimic uh, Faust's Freddy. And it was a, a Squala-ish, you know, size eight maybe size six in that zone. I think it's size eight, you know, army green colored thing with rubber legs. And back then a lot of our buddies, like the purists would be like, no, if it doesn't have fur or feather on it, it's not, it's not a fly. Like guys were, that's not fly, that's not fly. Well, I'm a utilitarian, so it's like, it's all about units of pleasure for me. So I want something that's durable and that will last, you know, that's easy and, you know, so I started tying this bug and, um, you know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. And then you kind of take it in your own direction a little bit. So people be like, what the hell is this? You know, and, but it was ugly and it, but it didn't matter. You know, um, I remember specifically fishing it with, um, uh, two, two buddies, uh, LG and late Dave Hanna, we fished. I just was finding some old pictures and I can remember the date because they're on the photos. So it was April 1st, 1998. We fished the Bitterroot, the famous Tucker to Bellwater. Um, before it was just as worn out as it is now. Anyways, we were fishing down there and we were just roping them on this foam stuff and we just thought we were the the coolest guys ever. So you have a moment like that. You have some success with a bug that you tied uh, it fills you up with confidence. And so I never, I never gave up the ghost on that one. And I still have all the confidence in the world in that stupid little bug. Oh, um, Justin told me, he's like, I've caught so many fish on that <laughs> bug. And he's like, I won't tie me one <laughs> anymore. So well, I'll have to send you one. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't send you one because it sounds like the story is better than the reality there. Um, but I'll send you one uh, home. I did do a little bit of tie-in um, in my little February room, you know, during the early parts of this whole Corona crap. You know, it was a great, great way to escape a little bit. And what are you tying right now? Uh, I was tying uh, some some army men and um, some like foam variations thereof. You know, um, 
if I can tie a dozen of those suckers, it'll last me all year. So, what's the next fishing trip? Well, me and Ginger are gonna go camping on uh, Friday up Rock Creek. So nice. uh, I hope we don't find any dudes crawling across the roads <laughs> with broken ankles. But we um, we're gonna go drive up there and see what's going on. I don't know if it's quite salmon fly time up there yet or not, but just a ex- good excuse to maybe camp out for the night. And are you gonna go for just a couple of days or uh, probably just Friday night and spend Saturday up there and come home? But we'll see. Are you gonna give Ginger the seal waiters? The seal driveway. Oh, God. <laughs> Thankfully, those things are probably decomposing in the landfill above town right now. Um, yeah, by the time by the time we met in 95, they were actually probably in the trash by then. So. <laughs> Ginger's like, we're not keeping these. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, good Lord. So. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Al. I really appreciate it. And I it's hope my that, pleasure. I hope that we get to go on the river. I mean, we're all here in it together, so yep. let's get on the river. We can do our social distancing casting and yeah. catching, and yeah. you bring those army. Uh, army men, all right. Yeah, awesome. Sounds Thanks. good. Thank you. Want to tie a variation of army man? Go to our blog at cdfishing.us. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, give us those five stars. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at CD Fishing USA. And remember to go fishing. <laughs>